Hello, and welcome to the Christwalk Church Podcast. Good morning, Christwalk. How's everybody doing today? Listen, before we get started, I've got a small bone to pick with Miss Ray, wherever she is. She said that this cup was cute. I'll have you know this is a man's cup. It is manly. There's some hair on it. That's not really convincing you to get one, I don't think. There's no hair on it or in it. Either one, either one. Um, man, last week was Easter, and I just want to—I just want to just just brag on Jesus a little bit, and, and brag on some of some of you guys, some of our team. Um, I, I can't speak for what happened before I came to this church in in August of 2017, but last week we had the second largest attendance that we've ever had since I've been here, and that's what we can clap. Yeah. And even, even bigger than that is um, the, just the way that many of you know that we're in the, in the kind of in the middle of a, a staff transitional period. And the way that, that our teams have stepped up to lead guest services, worship and media, um, kids walk, just from, from the street to the seat and stage and back out again, like all of those places that um, you would never know that, um, you know, that, that we're, we're understaffed right now um, as a team and just the way that you guys have stepped up to lead and take on more responsibility. So you are certainly to be commended in, in what's happening. And, and I can guarantee you that I would, I would go out on a, on a pretty shaky limb um, and, and take a gamble that I am probably the pastor of the only church in America that had a dude named Cowboy leading worship this morning. So... All you other pastors out there, take that. And I, what an incredible job that they did. And just the presence of the Holy Spirit that's been here. Just so, so amazing. And, and then maybe like the biggest thing to celebrate is um, the way you guys invited uh, for Easter. And, and it was really cool. Like I saw some people in church for the first time that I know that their friends and their families have been praying for years for God to bring them into church. And, and I just saw like not only those people, but saw their families and their friends just grinning from ear to ear, just so excited. And those people heard the message of the gospel. And it was just such an incredible, incredible time. And so I'm just, I'm proud, as proud as I can possibly be to be the pastor of Christ Walk Church. And I have been like, I, I, you know, all of, my, all of my eggs aren't in the basket of Easter. I have been looking forward to today all the way since last Sunday. And um, that kind of happens every week. And some of y'all get that on the drive home, like 11 o'clock, you know, more energy, but maybe a little bit slower, maybe. That's okay. That's okay. Um, but I'm excited about uh, today's message in this series that we're kicking off called Prove It. And so if you've got your Bible or maybe a smart device, I want to encourage you to turn with me or swipe with me. Um, we're going to go almost all the way to the end of the New Testament. Um, there's the, this, this triad of letters, 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John. And we're going we're gonna to land in 1st John today. And so go all the way to the end of the New Testament. If you get to Revelation, just back up a few verses or a few books. And there it will be 1st John. And we're going to start in 1st um, in John, uh, John chapter 1 in just a moment. We'll land there together. But 
Um, obviously, you know, I'm a pastor of a church, duh, right? You know, all of you guys know that. And, but, but a lot of people that I'm out in the community with and everything, you know, I meet new people quite often. Um, and, and so, you know, we'll be making small talk and it always comes back around to that, you know, that age old question. So what do you do? And, um, you know, when I let people know that I'm a pastor, there's, there's a mixed bag of reactions and questions that come after that. Some of you, I'll just let you use your own imagination for what some of those are. But, but particularly when I've, I've discovered, when I'm talking to particular men, um, I get one question back, like when they find out I'm a pastor, I get this, this one question like fairly often. And it's this, so do you play golf? <laughs> because apparently... In order to be the pastor of a church, you have to play golf, you know, because we need something to do with the other six days of the week that we're not actually working. So, you know, they, it's just assumed that we're out on the golf course, you know, we're out visiting the Green family, you know what I'm saying? And, um, but, but uh, when I was in school getting my degree in pastoral ministry, yes, that does exist. Um, they never told me that like playing golf would, you know, be so high on the chain of priority, um, for pastors. And so whenever I'm asked that question, so do you play golf? I always answer it this way. Well, I own a set of clubs because here's the truth of the matter. I don't play golf. Golf plays me. Okay. Like I'm terrible at golf. But I do have this theory, um, not just about golf, but about most anything in life, that even if you can't be good at it, you should at least look good while you're doing it, okay? And so when I show up to the golf course, if you saw me pull into the parking lot and get out of the car at the clubhouse, you would think, this guy might be able to play. I have like my shirt tucked in, right, which is something that you guys have never seen before. Um, only at the golf course and like weddings and funerals, like that's about it. And, but I've got my shirt tucked in and I have, I have a pair of shoes that I wear only on the golf course. I'm not out there in just some tennis shoes. I have some special golf shoes that I wear, but I don't wear them to the course. I wait until I get there and then I sit in like the back of my SUV and I put them on. You know, I, I change, change my shoes and everything. And I get my bag out of the car and like all my clubs match like purposefully. It's not like, like I got a bunch of random clubs from like Goodwill and like the Salvation Army and stuff to like compile a bag of clubs. Like, no, like it's, it's a complete set and, and everything. And, and um, I don't show up with like a Walmart sack full of random golf balls, whatever. I actually go to the store and I will look like, you know, there's the big shelf of all the different golf balls that you can get. And I'll do my research, you know, like I'll take them off and I'll turn around and look at the back of the box. And I'm like, oh, so this ball will do this to my, my shot shape and my ball flight. Okay, cool. Yeah, because like that matters at all whatsoever. Look, it doesn't matter at all whatsoever. Any ball you give me, Max Fly Noodle, Titleist Pro V1X, I can hit them all in the woods or the water. It doesn't matter. I'm no respecter of golf balls. Like any single one of them I can lose. And, and I've, I've come to discover that like the golf ball companies, they're giving me way too much credit. There's 18 holes on a golf course. There's only 12 balls in a box of golf balls. So they're like proper, like giving me, you know, giving me six before we even start. And I'm like, I'm behind the eight ball already. And so like what I've done is I've stopped keeping score. 
when I go to play golf because no one can count that high. Like, I don't, it, is infinity like a score? Can you like write that down? Instead, I've just started um, like determining whether or not it's a good day if I finish with some of the balls left over that I started with. So like if I go out there with 12 balls, like do I have any left at the end of the day? And I'll come home and Sarah's like, so how was it today? And I was like, well, I got seven balls left. It was a great day. <laughs> or how was it today? Well, I had to fish three out of the water that weren't mine. And, you know, I finished with one that had like mud on the side of it and everything. So it wasn't a great day, you know, and that's kind of how, like I determine as to whether or not, like I'm, how I'm doing. And I, I even like, like with that ball, I have like the little thing that you snap on it and it puts a little groove. And so you take a Sharpie and you draw a straight line on it. So that way you can line up your putts the right way. Like, yeah, like, because I'm doing that, you know, but you, you know, you do the whole like Tiger Woods, you know, you know I'm, I'm doing all I've got like the golf glove in my back pocket, you know, with the fingers sticking out. It's all like, like perfectly folded, like a pocket square, but like for golfers. And I'm there and I'm like, you know, bending down, like lining things up. And like, I think it's going to break a little left to right. You know, like, I don't know what I'm talking about. And I miss it, you know, but I've got the little line on it and everything. And, and speaking of putting, you look at my bag, if you know anything about golf, you know that I've got a $230 putter. It looks like a Star Wars spaceship on the end of a stick. That's what it looks like. And no, I'm not that good at putting. What happened is, is a couple years ago, I was in a golf tournament just for pastors and I won a raffle. And when they discovered that it was me, they were like, really, we're gonna give the putter to that guy? I saw him 12 putt on number nine. Like I might as well have like a broomstick with like a ping pong paddle duct taped to the end of it. Like I'd get the same kind of result. Like it wouldn't even matter, you know? And it all, it culminates, like, you know, you walk up to the first tee and like, you know, and I use the really long tees, like the extra long, because I'm a man. And that's what men do, you know, we use the extra long tee and you, you get your ball teed up and everything, and you're ready to go and you're, you know, you're doing all this and I'm taking my practice swings and, you know, stretching out my back and stuff and everybody's congregated, they're standing around, there watching and, and I'm, I'm trying to walk up with like some swag and some confidence, but what's going on on the inside of my mind is, please God, just let me hit it past the ladies tee. Like, that's all that I want to do. If I get it past the ladies tee, I'm like, yeah, get some boy, you know, and I walk out there go on about my business, but you'll be happy to know, and you can spread this throughout the community, okay? Take great pride in the fact, like you'll be happy to know that I regularly and consistently drive the ball 300 yards. So go and just tell everybody that you know that my pastor can drive a golf ball 300 yards. Now, what you don't need to tell them is that it's 150 yards this way and 150 yards that way. You can leave that out of the discussion but like that's kind of how I play. And so the, the idea is, is that I can look the part, I can, I can talk, I know all of like the, the language, the vernacular, you know, I know like bogey and par and birdie and, and, and eagle. There's even a thing that's like better than eagle. It never happens. So they gave it the most ridiculous bird name ever. It's the albatross. Yeah, the albatross, right? That's like a two on a par five and you get an albatross. Something you didn't know maybe coming into church this morning. You probably weren't expecting to learn it either, but you did. So like I know all about golf and I can dress the part and I can walk the part and I can act the part. But when I actually have to get out there and do it, I can't back it up. Like I'm a part of the game, but I'm never really in the game. And here's what I've come to discover. The problem that a lot of churches have today is that is it, it, simply this. There, there are churches just like ours all over this country filled with people just like you 
But the problem is, is that a lot of people in those churches, they approach their life in Jesus Christ the way that I approach my golf game. And that is that, that they are, they're a part of it. They're not really in it. Like we pose and we pretend to be Christians. We can dress the part. We can act the part. You know, we can say amen and praise the Lord. We can throw that into like our everyday conversation. Glory to God, you know, I'll be there, the Lord willing. You know, we'll do all that stuff. We know some of the lyrics to the modern worship songs. We have the Bible app on our phones. We can even maybe quote a few scriptures. You're like, Jesus wept, John eleven thirty five. 35. Can I get a witness? But the truth is, is that when you really start to take a look at so-called Christians like that, and you get just a little bit below the surface, you realize that there's no true life change, no true change of heart that has taken place and that, that we're simply just checking off the boxes of social and cultural expectations that have been placed on us. And, and the deal is, is that, that we want Jesus. Yes, like I will admit we want Jesus, but only on our terms. It simply doesn't work that way. Because eventually others will catch on to what we're doing in the life that we're living. And, and, and they are and they do catch on. And, and what makes matters worse is, is that when we choose to live that kind of Christian lifestyle, not only does it reflect poorly on our church, not only does it re reflect poorly on, on Christians in general, but it reflects poorly on who we claim God to be. And it also makes a farce of the work that Jesus Christ did on the cross. And maybe the worst part of it all is that when unbelievers see that there's little to no difference between themselves and those around them that claim to be followers of Christ, then why would they ever want anything to do with our Jesus? At that point, the, the facets of Christianity in regard to like church attendance and the practice of spiritual disciplines, reading our Bible and, 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 and tithing and, and prayer and everything, those become, those become obstacles or burdens for them to overcome rather than opportunities that can help to set them free. And so I believe that what God is desiring for his church today in these last days is, is that there would be a people that would raise up and that would begin to bear the evidence of what it means to truly follow Jesus in their lives. See, it's no longer good enough for us to simply give lip service to Jesus, but we've also got to honor him with our lifestyle. In other words, it's not just enough to say we're a Christian, we've also got to prove it. So over the next few weeks, we're going to take a look at a letter from the New Testament, this letter called 1 John, that drills down on this exact theme in hopes of discovering some of the evidence that should be on display in the life of every single person that claims to be a follower of Jesus Christ. So with that said, let's jump in together. 1 John chapter 1, here's the setup. This is an anonymous letter. But due to the writing style and the themes that are contained within it, it is widely accepted that John, who was an apostle of Jesus Christ, one of the original 12, he also wrote the, the gospel of John. It is widely accepted that he is the author of this letter and that he wrote it to address some issues that had arisen among the believers in Ephesus at some point in the decade of 80s AD. So somewhere between 80 and 90 AD, he's writing this letter to the believers in Ephesus to address some issues that are going on with the church there. 
Namely, among these issues was the teaching of certain false doctrines by this, this uh, religious sect known as the Gnostics. And, and these, these false doctrines that they were perpetuating and, and, and communicating, they denied a couple things. Number one, they denied that the incarnation, uh, uh, they denied the incarnation of Jesus, that he was um, truly a man, came in human form to the earth and walked among us, and that he bore a, a physical body. And then the second thing that it denied was the messiahship of Jesus. Jesus. Not only did they not believe that he was, a, he was an actual physical man that walked among us, they didn't believe that he was Jesus Christ, the Son of God, the Messiah. And as these heresies begin to spread throughout the believers, many of them begin to display negative behavior and develop a casual mindset toward the seriousness of sin. And so that's where we pick up in 1 John chapter 1, verse 1, where John writes, he says, we write you now about what has always existed, which we have heard, which we have seen with our own eyes, which we have looked at, and we have touched with our hands. We write to you about the word that gives life. He who gives life was shown to us. We saw him and can give proof about it. And now we announce to you that he has life that continues forever. He was with God the Father and was shown to us. We announce to you that what we have seen and heard because we want you also to have fellowship with us. Our fellowship is with God the Father and his son, Jesus Christ. So what, what John is communicating here as the basis of this letter to the believers in Ephesus is, is really kind of fourfold. Number one, he's communicating that he has seen Jesus in the flesh, that Jesus actually existed as a man, as a human, and that he walked among us. Number two, John is communicating that not only has he seen Jesus in the flesh, but he has seen Jesus dead, buried, and risen again. Not only did he exist, but he also was the Messiah as the prophets foretold and as he himself claimed to be. The third thing is that not only has John seen these things and can attest to them, but there are others who can attest to them as well and confirm his claims that Jesus is both man and Messiah. John's essentially saying, don't just take my word for it, for it. Go ask these other people. They have seen and witnessed with their own eyes, with their own hands, the same things that I am telling you. So there's like accountability there. There's, there's evidence in place. And then the fourth thing is, is he's, he's saying it is through the person of Jesus that the believers are united together in their faith and given access to the Father. And so right off the bat, without any greeting or introduction that is present in most letters, like John just gets straight down to business and he directly refutes these outrageous teachings and claims that Jesus didn't appear in human form and that he wasn't the Messiah. And so with that squared away, he then turns his sights directly to the pressing matter of the church of the day, which is having a casual attitude toward sin. And so we pick it up in verse five where John continues his letter, and he writes, here's the message we have heard from Christ and now announce to you. God is light, and in him there is no darkness at all. So if we say we have fellowship with God, but we continue living in darkness, we are liars and do not follow the truth. But if we live in the light as God is in the light, we can share fellowship with each other. Then the blood of Jesus, God's son, cleanses us from every sin. Verse eight, if we say we have no sin, we are fooling ourselves and the truth is not in us. But if we confess our sins, he will forgive our sins because we can trust God to do what is right. He will cleanse us from all the wrong things we have done. 
If we say we haven't sinned, we make God a liar and we do not accept God's teaching. He continues on in chapter 2 in verse 1. My dear children, I write this letter to you so you will not sin. But if anyone does sin, we have a helper in the presence of the Father, Jesus Christ, the one who does what is right. He died in our place to take away our sins And not only our sins, but the sins of all people. So it's clear from our reading of this passage that the issue that John is addressing here has to do with the contradictory behavior that is taking place in the church. You may have noticed the way that he uses the repeated words or phrases, if we say, and then he'll say, if we say, and then say what we say, and then he'll follow that up with, but if We do this. We say this, but if we do this, and so what's happening is, is he's showing these these opposite ends of the spectrum, and he's he's juxtaposing these things against each other to paint this picture of the issue that is taking place, and in order to communicate a very powerful concept, and that's this: there is nothing casual about following Jesus. True Christ followers, those who have have truly surrendered their lives to him, there's nothing casual about it. They are being very intentional about the decisions they are making and the way that they are living their lives. There's nothing casual about following Jesus. It is 100% intentional on purpose. And, And boiled down into a single thought or idea, here's what I believe that John is trying to get at and what, what's going to be the big idea or the, the main thought, the, the basis of my message today, it's this. If you're taking notes, you might want to write this down. If you want to walk with God, what you say has to match what you show. If you want to walk with God, what you say has to match what you show. You've got to prove it. And so there's four things that I believe we can mine out of this passage, four nuggets of truth and wisdom that I believe that John is trying to communicate to us that that he wants us to take and then apply into our own lives. And so the first one of these things is, is that we need to recognize God's holiness. We need to recognize God's holiness. He says um, right there in the passage that we read, he said, God is light and in him there is no darkness at all. See, the truth is, is that light and darkness cannot coexist. Where light is present, there can be no darkness. It's impossible. Even the smallest of flames drives out the deepest of darknesses. Like, just imagine with me, if, you would, if we were to turn off all of the lights, everything in this room, and it was completely and totally dark, you can't see your hand in front of your face, but then I lit a match up here on stage that tiny little flame would eradicate the darkness in this room and all of you would be able to see it. God is 100% light. There is no shred or ounce or fiber of darkness within him. He is not at war within himself. He is 100% holy. And that word holy, what it actually means, it means whole or complete. And not only is God holy, but he also commands that we be holy as his followers. And this is not a suggestion or an option for the person that is going to follow Jesus. It is a direct command. We go back to Leviticus in the Old Testament in chapter 19, verses 1 and 2. 
The Lord said to Moses, tell all the people of Israel, I am the Lord your God. You must be holy because I am holy. So because he is holy, if we are going to pursue him, that means that we are trying to become more like him. And if he is holy, then in our pursuit of him, our drive, like where we want to end up, it should be for us to arrive at the place of holiness where there is no longer the darkness of sin in our lives, but we have 100% stepped out into and are living our lives in exposure to the light of Jesus Christ. We've got to first recognize his holiness. The second thing, we've got to reside in the light. We've got to reside in the light. Here's the deal. Everything looks the same in the dark. Everything. Pretty woman, ugly woman, they look the same in the dark. Y'all can laugh, loosen up a little bit. I'm just messing around. Come on. Like if on this table right here, if I had a can of, of Coke and a can of Pepsi, in the dark, you would not be able to tell the difference between them. Like you would, you would take hold of them and you would just be guessing. But when you bring something into the light, there's no way to hide it. Like things get exposed and you can see things for what they truly are. So once we have become a Christ follower... We are to expose every area of our life to the light of Jesus Christ so that our sins can be revealed to us so that we can know the places in our life where we need to make changes, right? It's, it's kind of like in the summertime when you get a tan, you know? When our skin gets exposure to the sun, it starts to change color. And over time, it becomes readily evident the areas of our bodies that have not been exposed to the sun in the same manner as the ones that have. And so it's, it's the same way that for those of us, when we live in the light of Jesus Christ over time, it will become overtly clear to us the areas of our life that still need to be improved, that still need to be surrendered to Jesus and brought out into the light. Because when we bring things out into the light and the light shines on them, they get exposed for what they truly are. And we can see things as they are. So we've got to not only recognize God's holiness, but we need to reside in the light of Jesus Christ so that we can, in all of our sin, be exposed unto him so that he can come in and change us from the inside out, making us holy as he is. The third thing that John is communicating here to us is that not only do we need to recognize God's holiness, not only do we, do we need to reside in the light, but we've got to reveal our sins to God and then repent of them. Reveal our sins to God and then repent. Repent means to turn away that we're handing those things over to God and we're saying, you deal with this and then we're turning our back on it and we're letting go and we don't want to have anything to do with that anymore. We are, we're bringing it to light, we're revealing it, we're handing it over and then we are repenting of it, turning away and moving in the other direction. I kind of think of this like, like when we're talking about like revealing our sins, I kind of think of it like at one picture day that I had. Like school picture day, I was in high school and um, I woke up and for a brief moment, I thought that I was turning into uh, the magical mythical beast known as a unicorn <laughs> because I had this huge growth that was starting to protrude out of my forehead. Some of you would know it as a zit. 
And so I was like, it's picture day, man. Like, what am I going to do? Like, and so I snuck into my mom's bathroom and I got some of her concealer. Only I didn't know what I was doing. And it didn't really help. It just made matters worse. And it just turned into like a crusty mess up there and everything. And like everybody could see it and they knew what I'd done. And like I knew that they knew, but like nobody wanted to say anything. And it was like really awkward. And then it shows up in the picture and it's even worse than had I just like left it alone to begin with. And see, the truth of the matter is, is that the sin that's in our life, we can try to hide it all we want to, but God sees it. He knows that it's there. And so like the approach that we need to take instead of trying to cover that stuff up, instead of trying to hide, we need to let God like go to work on it. We need to let him like squeeze on it and mash on it, like let it squirt all over the mirror and everything. Like get that stuff out of us. All that junk, all that impurity, all that darkness needs to get out of us so that we can be healed and made whole. And I know what you're thinking, man. If you squeeze a big zit like that, it's going gonna, it's gonna to leave a scar. And I came to tell somebody today that that scar is going to be your testimony. And you're going to be able to tell somebody, look, this is who I used to be, but I'm not that person anymore. I may not be who I want to be, but I'm a whole lot further along than where I used to be. I'm better today than I was yesterday, a week ago, a month ago, a year ago. God is not through with me yet. This is my testimony. And what he has done in me, he can do for you too. So let this scar serve as a reminder of the place that I have come from and the place that God is taking me to. When we bring our sins to light, God can work on us. It's not about perfection, it's about progress. We don't have to be the best today, we just gotta be better today. That's what it means to truly follow Jesus, that each and every day I'm becoming more and more and more like him. I may never get there, but I'm a whole lot further along today than I was yesterday and the day before that and the day before that. And every day I just take one more step to the cross, one more step to the cross, one more step to the cross. Reveal your sins to God and then repent. And then the last and final thing, the, the fourth thing, we got to run to Jesus. We got to run to Jesus. He says in the beginning of, of chapter two, John writes, my dear children, I write this letter to you so that you will not sin. But if anyone does sin, we have a helper in the presence of the father. It's Jesus Christ, the one who does what is right. He died in our place to take away our sins. And not only our sins, but the sins of all people. See, once we become a Christ follower, that doesn't mean we're perfect. That doesn't mean we're never going to sin again. We're still going to slip up from time to time. We're still going to commit sins from time to time. But when we truly begin to follow Christ, even though we may commit some sin, our lives are no longer characterized by sin. See, there is, there's nothing that we can do ourselves to take away that sin. We, we cannot buy forgiveness. We cannot earn forgiveness. But the word of God says that if we simply confess that sin, that, that God will do what is right. He's going to cleanse us of that sin and he's going to take it away. It's simply through the grace of Jesus Christ and his work on the cross that you and I are forgiven. And that forgiveness is offered freely to anyone who would believe on him as Lord and Savior. So if you're here today, if you've got sin in your life, if you're struggling right now, if you're stuck in a rut this morning, 
If the enemy has raised up a stronghold in you, whether you're a believer or not, the the result is the same. The action is the same. Just run to Jesus. Don't walk. Don't tiptoe. Don't frolic or saunter. Run. Like, get there. Chase him down. And as you do that, you will quickly find that he is chasing you. Run to Jesus and let him cleanse you of your unrighteousness, of your sin, your strongholds, your struggles, your sickness. Let him do his work. Recognize his holiness. Reside in the light. Reveal our sins to God and then repent. And then run to Jesus. You know, what might happen if we started to live this way? For those of us that like we, we claim to believe, we claim to, to be believers in Jesus, we claim to be Christ followers, what would happen if we adopted this kind of Christianity? Where it wasn't merely lip service to Jesus, but, but that we were marked by an authentic and genuine faith in Christ. Where each and every day we would nail our sins to the cross of Calvary and then take up that cross and follow after Jesus. I'm talking about the, the kind of, of Christianity that, that results in true change taking place daily in our hearts and in our lives because of the work that Christ is doing on us. Here's the result. If we chose to live that way, this is what would happen. It would cause those around us to recognize and accept the humanity and the messiahship of Jesus. But not only that, those around us, they would see the difference that Christ is making in our lives and they would want that difference for themselves. That is the kind of Christianity that the Lord is calling the people of this house to live out. It's right there in the mission that we have written on the walls and that we proclaim from this stage each and every Sunday. We exist to inspire people to follow Jesus every day. There is no greater inspiration that you and I could display than to live out in an authentic and genuine manner, live out our faith in front of those around us. But remember, In order to be that kind of Christ follower, what we say has to match what we show. Maybe you're here today. Maybe you're tuning in with us online and you feel God drawing you close to him. If you'd like to take a step of faith today and accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and savior, it's as simple as ABC. Admit that you're a sinner, believe in Jesus, Choose to surrender your life to him and his way. If you'd like to do that today, then I invite you to pray this prayer along with me this morning. It's on the screen behind me. Can we just pray this together today? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I admit that I'm a sinner and that I'm lost without you. I believe that Christ died in my place, making a way for us to have a relationship. I choose to follow Jesus in his way for the rest of my life. Amen. Amen. If you prayed that prayer this morning, the greatest thing that you could do is tell somebody before you leave here. 
I hope that before you leave here, you go out to the big orange tent outside and you could, you could just let somebody know the decision that you've made to follow Jesus Christ. In fact, if you'd like, you can fill out an orange and white connect card with your info and there's a place on the back where you can indicate the decision that you've made. If you take that out to the big orange tent, we wanna put some resources in your hands. We wanna partner with you to help you um, start your Christ walk in the most effective and efficient way possible. Maybe you're here today and you're already a believer in Jesus, but, but you've just been in that funk where that just that, the darkness and stuff is weighing down in your life and it's overtaking you. You've been stuck in a rut, just haven't been able to gain any traction. Just run to Jesus. Run to Jesus. The work that he did on the cross is enough for whatever you're facing today. All you have to do is just surrender that over to him. Just let him know, God, I wanna be that kind of Christ follower. One that lives my life fully in the light so that I can be an example of what a true believer is, a true Christian is to the world around me. And that will make all the difference. We're gonna truly follow Christ. What we say has to match with what we show, amen? Amen. Thank you guys so much for being here. Thank you for joining us today. At Christ Walk Church, we exist to inspire people to follow Jesus every day. For more information about Christ Walk, please visit us at thechristwalk.com.